Today, it is a message about who we choose to follow, how we choose to follow, and where are we going to go. Now, it is a message directed to our graduates that uh, I'm going to try really hard to not cry every time I glance in your direction. So I think people do not want me to weep during the message. So uh, I'm probably not going to actually look at you this morning. But no, I'm talking to you and all the other graduates here. But parents and people of West and people worshiping with us online, today's message, even though it's not a biblical exegesis of a passage, I think it's something that we can each hear every year and embrace because it is, it is how I think as followers of Christ, as followers of love, we are called to live. We get to choose where we go, what we do, and who we follow. This, as you has, have identified so kindly, is a trash can. In seventh grade, this was where one afternoon I had the opportunity to find myself. Now, I did not want to be in the trash can. I did not choose to be in the trash can. But some life choices that I made enabled this to be my home for just a little while. And I'm going to tell you about that. And graduates, this is a lesson I hope you can learn from some of my mistakes. There were these guys and girls when I went into seventh grade, which back in the dark ages, middle school was seventh, eighth, and ninth grades. So back in seventh, eighth, and ninth grades, there was this group that I was determined I needed to be in. They were the in crowd. They were the cute guys. They were the popular girls. They were the ones who were always invited to the parties on the weekends. And I decided that I needed to be in that group of friends. It was my friend circle and it was who I was going to choose to be a part of. So in order to fit into that group, I had to do some things. I had to morph my own personality so that I could fit in with them better. You see, I was not a big partier. My parents ruled, I believe, with an iron fist. I was at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Friday night, and usually on Saturdays, there were some church functions. Very, very good Southern Baptist little girl and had lots of things that I did with church. So parties, I didn't even know what they existed until I went to college. Unlike you, Lane Smith, which you would not be attending any parties in college, just wanted to let you know, because I'm moving in with you at Appalachian. So, (laughs) surprise, uh, there was this group of boys and girls that I felt like I needed to fit in. So, I changed who I was. I became the the girl who wanted to go to the parties and I would talk like they talked and, you know, just totally morphed who I was so that I could fit in to this group of people. Now, everybody loved these folks. So they were, every time you'd go to the cafeteria, you'd see people sitting around them. And I knew that that was who I needed to be a part of. So seventh grade, I found myself acclimated into that group. Seventh grade went well. Eighth grade went well. And I thought these were my friends. Ninth grade, end of the year, we used to have this thing called field day, where you would make every student go out in the stadium and sit all day long and do some kind of athletic event. And so at the end of that day, two of the guys in the group that were my friends came up to me and said, Andrea, what if we put you in a trash can? And I said, why would we do that? And they said, oh, it'd be fun. 
Now, the trash cans outside the gymnasium were not nice and clean like this one, although I do not choose to go in this one today, although Lance Armstrong volunteered to put me in this as a sermon illustration. I felt like that would not be relevant. And so they said, let, let us put you in the trash can. And I said, you know, I really, I, I don't want to do that. Now, the way that this was different is this is the first time in three years I ever stood up to these folks. If they had told me to go get them food from the cafeteria, I would do it. They wanted to borrow money, I would do it. Give them my lunch, I would do it. I would do anything to fit in. And so on this ninth grade day, at the end of the day, when they said, hey, Andrea, let us put you in the trash can, I think they might have been a little surprised when I said, no, I'm not interested. It didn't matter what I said. All of a sudden, here they go, and it must have been a much bigger trash can, and I fit inside head first. They put a lid on the trash can, so much so that I could not get out. For several minutes, I tried to kick the lid off and tried to get out of the trash can. And finally, the coach came by, heard me screaming in the trash can and pulled the lid off. And then, I guess it is a logical question, Andrea, what are you doing in the trash can? And I told her what happened. I didn't want to get my friends in trouble, so I didn't tell her who. I just said we were playing some jokes and... I just, it happened. They didn't get in trouble. But I learned that day that they weren't my friends. Friends don't put friends in trash cans. We all get to choose who we follow. High school graduates and college graduates, you have an opportunity now to choose the next stage in your journey, if you have a new job out of state and you are trying to find a new friend base, it's challenging and it's scary. And college is scary too. Graduates, I want you to clap if you're excited about graduating high school. Are you excited? All right. College, are you excited about graduating or are you nervous? Or both? We each have times and places in our lives where we face a crossroads whether it's new relationships or new jobs or new friend groups. And we have to make some decisions. They don't always end up the way that we want them to, and sometimes they end up great. So this morning, as we look at the way that I believe the one who taught us really how to live and choose to follow, uh, as we look at that, we're also gonna look at another famous author, Dr. Seuss. He wrote this book called, Oh, the Places You'll Go, and this morning we're giving that book to the 12, 15 graduates that are in fifth grade in Wired. They're getting ready to go to big middle school, which is a big change for them, so that's happening out there. So we thought in here we would tie it into that, and so this morning we're going to look at just a few parts of Oh, the Places That You'll Go. I want you to take a look at this first quote. You have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own, and you know what you know. And you are the one who'll decide where you go. A couple of thousand years ago, there was a gentleman who lived this life that 
prompted people to follow him. I want to share a passage with you this morning from the Gospel of Matthew. It's the first gospel that we have in what we call the New Testament writings. It is not, however, the first gospel that was written. The gospel of Mark was most likely written first, and then uh, Matthew comes along a little later. Most scholars say that Matthew was written around A.D. 70, uh, so that would have been about 35 years probably after the time of Christ's death and resurrection. And the writer of Matthew tells a story about how Jesus asked people to follow him and what they did. So this morning, I want you to listen to that passage that Jesus calls the very first disciples. It's from Matthew 4, starting with 18. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, Galilee, he being Jesus, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, Peter's brother, and they were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw the other two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat They left their father and they followed him. Now, if you're not a graduate, I still say that what I'm getting ready to point out is relevant to you and might cause you to be just a little uncomfortable. And if it does, I apologize. But graduates, especially those of you that are getting ready to enter into college, over the next four years, your faith will be challenged in a way that that you've perhaps never imagined it before. We do live in an amazing area here in Lake Norman and Mooresville, and we are very churched in our region, but the world is very big, and you're getting ready to meet people that don't believe the things that you've been taught And probably, because this is what happens to most young adults as they try to find their new way and their next part of their journey, they are going to find themselves and you are going to find yourself, and it's okay, hearing things about like the, the big fish that swallowed up the man or this guy named Job who lost everything, his family and, and his friends, you know, told him to give up on God. You're going to hear about these stories and people are going to tell you, you know what, I don't believe that those are real. In fact, if you take a religion class Your professors are going to point out to you that what perhaps we understand of God as a white, westernized understanding of the divine is perhaps not all there is to it. And maybe God is so much bigger than you understood when you were in Sunday school classes when you were little, and they told you these stories that are beautiful stories, but we've always taken them so literally because it was the only way that we could understand them. Today's passage is one of those that I think sometimes we take literally and we miss the big meaning. So we have these these. These guys, they're just normal guys, fishermen, and they're out doing their livelihood. They're probably young men. This is their vocation. And this other guy comes up 
and says to them, hey, uh, I want you to follow me. Now, you won't have to fish like that anymore. I'm going to teach you to be fishers of people. Now, if you and I were out doing our vocation and somebody came by and said, hey, I want you to follow me. I'm going to totally teach you a whole new way and everything that you've been doing, it's null and void. Go with me. We're going to do something new. Chances are we would go, what? Are you crazy? There's this thing in scripture that, you know, there are a lot of details that are left out. We have the big picture I would challenge us to think about that. The big picture is because, you know, this was written at least 35 years after the time of Jesus. I'm 45 years old, so if I think back to what I did when I was 10, and I would challenge you, wherever you are in your life right now, take your age, if you can, subtract 35 years, and I want you to try to call up a memory, There are memories that we can call up. There are big things that happened in our lives, but we don't always remember the minutia, do we? That's hard to do when time passes. And so graduates, when you meet new friends and they start to challenge how you look at your faith, don't don't buck up and think that they're wrong. Actually listen One of the beautiful things about God and one of the beautiful things about our faith is it is big. And Jesus pretty much gave one message that narrows it all down that I think we can hold on to and I'll end with that this morning. But the first part is don't get so wrapped up in the details and the minutia that you miss the big picture. And by all means, just because you may learn new ways of looking at it, don't give up on your faith. Right now in our world... People over the age of 18, 18 to 30, they're the largest group of people that don't buy religion, even spirituality. They think it's just bogus. And I think sometimes it's because we've taught it so literally that we have missed the big picture. So this morning, tying it in with Dr. Seuss, who is this brilliant man that wrote a book so long ago that still teaches messages for us today, in a relevant, cultural, fun way, we also have this other book that gives us lessons that are relevant and sometimes fun, but real, that I think we can hold on to. When Jesus was walking by and he told these guys that were fishing to follow him, Matthew writes, immediately. I wonder what immediately means. We don't have any of those details, actually. So it leaves us room in our own minds and imaginations to ponder. What does it mean to immediately follow? Do you think their lives were just such that they could just drop everything? There were no questions asked and they followed this Jesus guy? Maybe. We don't know. But what we do know is that the path that they took following him was one of great joy and amazing things that they saw happen, people being healed, people being fed, movement, a movement was started, a movement that sort of turned away from all the rigidity of religion and this movement that helped people understand that the kingdom of God and God as they knew God was in here, 
not out there, not behind a curtain where only one man could go in the temple, that God and spirituality is, is in here. Dr. Seuss also teaches what our pathways can look like. So I want you to take a look at another quote that he has. You will come to a place where the streets are not marked. Some windows are lighted, but mostly they're darked. Mostly they're darked, a place you could sprain both your elbow and your chin. Do you dare to stay out? Do you dare to go in? And here's a question that we all ask in our lives. How much can you lose and how much can you win? Aren't those questions that drive us, whether we're a graduate or whether we're an adult and we are adulting? How much can we lose? What do we stand to lose right here and right now if we do A, B, or C? And then the next question that drives us is how much can we win? Can we get a job that takes more money? Can we have, get a relationship that brings us more joy? We measure things in what we lose and what we win. And that is oftentimes a lonely way of living our lives because our lives end up feeling and looking like this. I want you to take a look at this next clip that we have to show you. Several years ago, this is not us riding this roller coaster, but several years ago, Scott and I went to Vegas, and on top of the stratosphere, they have these roller coasters, and we thought for some bizarre, insane reason that it would be a good idea to ride this one. I want you to take a look at what it looks like, and remember that I believe that this sort of parallels what our lives look like. Take a look. over the streets of Vegas the first time and went back to the back, I remember praying, literally. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so glad that we are safe. And then when it propelled forward again, I remember doing one of those bargaining prayers that actually I don't believe work in our theology, but you know, when you're scared, you'll go back to anything that you've been taught or may believe. And even if it's false, and I was like, dear God, please, if I just get off of this roller coaster, I promise you, I will never do anything this stupid again. That was, I mean, in my opinion, that was a little risky. What if the brakes on that thing were to cut loose? 
I mean, there's no way we would have ever survived if that little car would go off the end of that arm and, and careen down on the streets of Vegas. Now, the odds of that happening are, are so small. But that day, in that moment, I was scared. I don't get scared of a lot of things, but, but that day I was scared. Seuss talks as well about being afraid and the choices that we have to make and what happens when we make those choices. So this morning, I want you to take a look at one more quote by him. When you're in a slump, you're not in for much fun. Unslumping yourself is not easily done. That day in Vegas, when we hung over the ground, I realized that I'd made a dumb decision and put myself in a place that I could not control. It was a lonely place as well because, you know, Scott was not afraid. As I stood there, sat there, you know, praying, dear God, please don't let me ever... uh, Please don't let me die as I do this. I'll never do anything so stupid again. I look over at Scott and he's just smiling. (laughs) Isn't this fun? There are gonna be times in your lives, graduates and all of us, that we find ourselves in a slump. We find ourselves scared. We find ourselves alone. When Jesus stood by those gentlemen and said, hey, I want you to follow me, he made a promise to them, even though we may not have it written literally in the book of Matthew, he made a promise to them that I think is a promise for you and for me, not just today, but every day. We're not alone. Jesus came to show us God. We're working with the Compfermans, our sixth graders here at West now, and one of the most important lessons that we're trying to teach them from the very beginning is, who is God? We have unfortunately grown up with this understanding that God is a big man, a physical presence on a throne so far away. And, and you know, we take those verses in Revelation literally and the, the pearly gates and the streets of gold. And so I think sometimes we make it look a little in our brains like the Wizard of Oz, that there's some divine deity that someday we're gonna see God. Jesus came and said, the kingdom of God is here and now. And the kingdom of God, even though it is realized in its fullness when we move from this life to that perfect peace that we experience with death, the kingdom of God is alive and well in each of you. So graduates, as people challenge your faith, don't don't be afraid to look at new things and think new things, but the one thing that I want you to come back to is the kingdom of God is really one word. It boils down to one word, and that word is love. If we embrace that, when we are in our dark places and in our slumps, if we realize that the power that Jesus had to go and do all those things and create this movement that lasted you know, at least a couple of thousand years after his time, that same power rests in you and in me. So even if you don't wanna be you know, like what, what your dad does for a living or you don't wanna be the profession of your mother and you don't wanna be your mother, 
Even if those are your aspirations, guess what? You can, you can do anything that you want to do. You get to choose. So don't make a mistake like I made so many years ago. Don't choose the the people that everybody else are going around just because they're popular or just because they get invited to all the cool parties that you want to go to. Don't choose people to follow based on how much money they have or what kind of car they drive. And as you get into relationships with significant others, don't choose those based on whether or not you make them happy and don't ever let them control you. You do you. A few weeks ago, Lane and I were talking about something in my life, my ministry, and she said, well, don't worry about that. You just do you. I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> what does that even mean? Like, if I'm going to do something, I'll go fix my hair, put on my makeup. You, you do you. What does that mean? And she, means, she said it means you just be who, you're, be who you are. Be who you are created to be. So graduates and West people, you do you. Jesus, I'm just trying to be relevant. (laughs) Now, poor form, graduates, for laughing at my old self up here. I'm trying to, you know, bring it home. And aren't you impressed? I'm not weeping. The bottom line is you're amazing people, graduates and adults. And you're here because you're looking for something more. And, you know, we, we narrow religion down to fit in these boxes. Jesus would not have wanted us, I really believe, to do that. Because there were no boxes that contained those gentlemen. When he said, just throw down your nets and follow me. And everything he did after that moment, everything he did and everything he taught them was driven by love. So when you choose who to follow. Don't choose people that are going to end up putting you in a trash can because they were never your friends to begin with. Choose people that you see living acts of love. When you do that, I promise you won't go wrong. Let us pray. Gracious God, you empower us to make choices. You give us that ability. It's called free will. We don't believe we've been predestined to do things. You created us with the ability to think and to make choices. So I ask this morning that you help all of us make good choices, choices that lead in ways of love, because when we do that, we can't go wrong. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.